0: I'm gonna stamp.
1: Please be seated. A reading from Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and the flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet a vast multitude. And he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost, we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I will place you on your own soil and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord.
2: Good morning. I'm uh, glad to be here this morning uh, to speak to you, although... Uh, When speaking about theater in a religious setting, there's always some apprehension. Theater has always been suspect when it comes to Christianity. North African theologian Tertullian, in the second century, denounced theater in his Day Spectaculous. He argues that Christians forswore the theater when they were baptized. In 398, the Council of Carthage decreed excommunication for any Christian who went to the theater rather than to church on holy days. And actors were forbidden the sacraments of the church unless they forswore their profession. This stayed in place, by the way, until the 18th century. Even though the medieval church in Europe used liturgical drama to communicate Bible stories to the illiterate on church holidays. When the plays started becoming more elaborate and interesting than the services, and when the most popular characters became King Herod and the Devil, (laughs) the churches moved the plays from inside the church to out on the steps of the church and later completely away from the church. The questionable morality of actors and other theater folk continued through the centuries up through modern times. In the 19th century, boarding house would post signs reading, no dogs or actors allowed. Even being raised as a Lutheran, I was well aware that Martin Luther wrote music and not plays. William Shakespeare also encountered resistance to the theater. The Kingsman Shakespeare Company chose its name partially because the festival, now in its 19th year, takes place in CLU's Kingsman Park, but also because Shakespeare's company became the King's Men in 1604, shortly after King James I assumed the throne after the death of Elizabeth. As a king's man, Shakespeare, as well as the other members of his company so appointed, were required to attend all state functions at which the king presided. A number of these meetings were with the more conservative Puritan members of the Church of England, who had their concerns about the Protestant religious convictions of their new king. James, in in their eyes, was a foreigner. He, He was from Scotland. And his mother, Mary, was a Catholic. To assuage these doubts, James, in 1604, commissioned translators to write a Protestant English-language Bible, which was finished in 1611, a Bible that is still used today by many people and is known as the King James Version of the Bible. Shakespeare was most likely in the room when these discussions with the Puritans took place. We can imagine the tension that existed between the Puritans who wanted all the theaters closed, and I might add succeeded in doing so in 1640, and Shakespeare and his acting colleagues. Those meetings no doubt influenced his writings. But Shakespeare was very familiar with biblical text from a child when he attended church and he studied it in school along with the Latin texts of the famous Roman and Greek writers. Scholars also believe that his early inspiration as an actor and playwright came from his watching touring companies performing religious mystery and morality plays. His plays are filled with quotations from the Bible, religious references, and characters who are members of various religious orders. Indeed, this summer's first production by the Kingsman Shakespeare Company, Measure for Measure, has its title and its theme based upon Matthew 7, verses 1 to 2. Judge not that ye be judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Today's Ezekiel text must also have played strongly with Shakespeare's own musing of life and death. The end of Romeo and Juliet is set in a tomb where the two star-crossed lovers take their lives surrounded by the bones of those who had gone before. Hamlet's famous Alas, Poor Yorick speech is delivered to a skull in a scene in which a comic gravedigger is making jokes as he's pulling bones out of the grave he is digging. Even in his own epitaphs carved in, a st- in stone at his grave in the church at Stratford-upon-Avon, speaks of his own bones after he's gone. Good friend, for Jesus' sake forbear to dig the dust and close it here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he who moves my bones. The text for today speaks to me in a unique way. In theater, we take words that that are in written form interpret those words into characters, have those characters given voice and movement by actors, develop a three-dimensional world of sets, costumes, props, lights, and music, and bring those words to life in front of an audience. In effect, breathing life into dry bones. As a director of 14 of Shakespeare's plays, I have witnessed the dry bones of Shakespeare's texts come to life as characters that were created by him nearly 500 years ago, again walk and talk and interact to create new worlds that have meaning and relevancy in modern times. In our current production of Measure for Measure, I've had many audience members come up to me to remark how current the play seems. It opened on June 26, the day of the Supreme Court ruling. The play addresses the question of what place law has in determining morality. What is justice? What responsibility do people of power have to not abuse their power sexually, religiously, or politically? These questions asked by Shakespeare, and we are obviously still trying to answer them today. These dry bones are not dry. As a theater artist, I'm well aware that I have been blessed to be able to recreate these great works for the past 19 years. I am blessed to be part of a creative collaboration that results in the staging of the festival each year on this campus. In three and a half weeks, we turn Kingsman Park into a theater. It's not magic. The nearly 80 people on and behind the scenes share their artistry and hard work to make the productions seem effortless to our audience, to bring the dry bones to life, for the education and entertainment of people of all ages. I'm going to close with one of Shakespeare's sonnets that I think is very uh, connected to the text today. Sonnet 81, or I shall live your epitaph to make, or you survive while, when I in earth am rotten. From hence your memory death cannot take, although in me each part will be forgotten. Your name from hence immortal life shall have, though I once gone to all the world must die. The earth can yield me but a common grave when you, entombed in men's eyes, shall lie. Your monument shall be my gentle verse, which eyes not yet created shall o'erread, and tongues to be your being shall rehearse when all the breathers of this world are dead. You still shall live, such vir- virtue hath my pen were breath most breathless even in the mouths of men.